This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. It's the Global Thought Leader Insights. Brilliant thinking implemented. Brought to you by Internal Consulting Group. I'm Mark S.A. Smith. As a leader of your company, you must stay on top of your industry or risk obsolescence. This can be a daunting task. Get ready to solve your biggest challenges and learn how to capitalize on your biggest opportunities after this. Executives depend on external advisors to fill knowledge and experience gaps, to help them make a case for change, or to have an experienced mind audit their thinking. Internal Consulting Group brings together a wide range of proven thought leaders from around the globe and makes them available to you. Get access to insights, advice, and the tools you need to succeed. Learn more at internalconsulting.com. Our guest today is Alain Maloche, who is an expert at pricing. He is the practiced leader of strategic pricing at the Internal Consulting Group. He has an interesting background. He has a degree in nuclear engineering, a Master of Business Administration from Harvard Business School, and has been helping people figure out how to come up with the right prices for, well, coming up on two decades. Welcome, Alain. Thank you. Happy to be here. And we've got a lot of interesting ideas because pricing is a mystery for a lot of people. And if you get it right, it can make you a lot of money. And if you get it wrong, it can cost you a lot of money. And it's been estimated that you've helped add more than $200 million for the profits by picking the right price. Yep. So how do we go about doing this to make money get it right? (laughs) Well, you know, it's um, pricing has a whole bunch of components involved mm-hmm. in it. And a lot of people just view it as, eh, no big deal. Um, pricing, I'll just set a price. It'll be to meet whatever the competition uh, is charging. And you know what? I'm going to price so that I win a particular deal. Well, you know, that's kind of a race to the bottom when you do that kind of thing, because everybody Indeed. is trying to jiggle around with each other and price lower and lower and lower. So, you know, that's the road to hell. Um, and if you're thinking about pricing, what you really want to do is figure out what is it that I, what are my strategic objectives? What are my goals when I'm doing pricing? And that, you know, really demonstrates the importance of, of tying in your price to your corporate objectives. 
And that's so you mean the strategy, the strategy shouldn't just be to win the deal? <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, we've seen this so many times in, uh, over the years where I've been working. And everybody says, you know, you talk to a sales guy and they will always say, ah, you know, this deal is unique absolutely unique. It's different from all the others. We got to win this. We got to price this way. We got to get this deal. And so what you're seeing when you do that kind of thing is a huge number of inconsistencies in the price that are being charged to comparable customers. So one of the things that we do when, you know, want to start off and kind of snap people uh, awake Uh, is to do a simple analysis. And what you do is you look at what's called the net price, and I'll explain that in a second. You look at the net price compared to, let's say, a simple metric like the volume of sales. So what you do when when you plot that out is that you'll find, for example, that you're gonna get some people who are, some customers who are like really low volume folks getting really, really good prices. And if you go to the other end of the spectrum, you know, on your x-axis and volume, big volumes, those people, those customers may actually have a higher price than the ones that are low volume. Yeah, it's it's insane. The 80-20 rule comes into play here oftentimes. Yeah, so when you do that, and you do that simple example and analysis, everybody goes, oh, we kind of thought that was the case. (laughs) <laughs> intuitively well, like, we knew that was the case thanks for you know showing this to us and then you take it from there and, and one of the things that's interesting is specifically in the world of technology you uh-huh. have companies like the gartner group that tattle on how much right. you paid for it yes. so if you do a low ball deal sweetheart deal to somebody everybody else in the world's going to know about it because of what they do from a consulting situation absolutely you know there's a huge change that is occurring in the marketplace, and that is technology, mm-hmm. which is making prices more and more visible. Indeed. Um, yeah. So, you know, we can talk about, you know, the, the classic online marketers, that kind of thing. But even if you're talking about B2B businesses, a lot of your clients, if you're in B2B, they will have access to all these prices that are being offered online, and they'll mm-hmm. have access to what they got from somebody else. So, you, you know, you, you can run, but you can't hide. And I call that frugaling. You go on Google and find out what everybody else is selling it for. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's no doubt. Um, and, you know, you go, well, um, it's you can find what these prices are. But then, you know, there's the other aspect in B2B where you can no- negotiate down. Of course. And there are more and more pressures on companies, uh, procurement groups, to be very, very uh, demanding in terms of the prices that they get. They get rewarded on the amount of a discount that they get from you. Right. Their job is to do one thing, take the profit out of the deal. Yep. Absolutely. And it's, it's actually, it's really sick. And a lot of people think that procurement's job is to get the lowest price. No, procurement's job is to get it in stock at lowest price. Yes, absolutely. Um, And so there's always the temptation. Again, we go back to the salesperson who's saying, oh, well, we absolutely need this deal. Mm -hmm. But if you're a company, what you really have to do is understand 
why do we want to get this deal? We go back to the strategic objective of getting a particular deal. Mm-hmm. What's that deal worth to you? You know, you probably many listeners have heard of the whole idea of value-based pricing. Sure. And so you're talking about what is the value that our product provides to the buyer? That's classic stuff. But what a lot of people don't look at systematically is what is the value of the deal to us? Right on. So we had a client um, some time ago, and uh, they were introducing new DNA-based testing um, kits. And it was, was brand new in the marketplace. And they were trying to understand, well, you know, how, how are we going to price these things? Because it's brand new. Mm-hmm. And so what we did is we tried to identify, you know, what are the attributes of value to the customer? Uh, you know, for example, the large research uh, hospitals, that kind of thing, or the, you know, the reference labs and all that kind of stuff. So what we did is we worked with the client to identify what are the attributes that people are looking at. Well, you know, there are two elements. One is revenue generation, and you can break that down into a whole bunch of little subgroups, and cost reduction. Mm -hmm. And so, again, there are a whole bunch of little sub-attributes to that. Mm -hmm. And then what we did is we worked with the team to figure out, okay, what's the importance of each one of those things depending upon who the customer is? So research labs or hospitals will look at things differently. They'll weigh things differently from the other guys. So that was one element. But then they said, okay, so we want to get into these markets. What's the value to us mm-hmm. of selling this? So what they looked at, again, same thing, revenue generation, cost reduction. And they said, okay, so what are the elements of revenue uh, generation that we can get? Well, you know, it's just the pure sales of this item. It's an entry into a, this client and the potential for other sales, blah, 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 blah. You go on like that. And what you can do is you can actually quantify what that's worth to you for segments and within those segments for particular customers themselves. So what that does is that gives you really good guidelines as to how much of a discount you should be prepared to offer. And it's a great guideline for your sales organization. It's a discipline that you're providing them. I think that's a really important point. It is a discipline yeah. because every every deal needs to be either profitable or strategic. Yes. Yeah. And and the point here is let's make sure that the discount is a strategic concept. Absolutely. Yet, yet I believe even more importantly, let's make sure the price is set right so mm-hmm. discounts become uh, maybe more of a, a negotiation approach versus a go-to-market approach. Exactly. Exactly. So again, you know, what they did, the go-to-market approach, what they, what this company did was to say, okay, what's the incremental value of our product compared to the tests that exist right now? And what should we, what should be the incremental price that we charge given that incremental value? And you start from there. This is what we offer. This is, you know, what the client gets by, you know, taking on our product. One of the issues, so you start from there, but one of the other issues is, okay, so if you're saying I'm taking all of the incremental value that I'm providing to the client, what's the point to the client of buying your product? Because you're taking everything back. 
mm-hmm. that you offer to them. So you got to figure out, you know, like, what can we do? How can we share in the value that we're providing? And that's quite a set of discussions that people will have within a company, especially when a new product is being offered. Indeed. Yeah, when, especially when we're cracking into a new market, one of our advantages, of course, is most first mover. Right. Because we can, we can have a massive impact on our marketplace. And we see this all the time. You know, for example, Uber. Uber was a first mover. Everybody else is trying to catch up. That's right. And it really Absolutely. It doesn't really matter. So what's the approach that you take for pricing? How do we come up with the right price? You've talked something about, some, about value to the organization, value to the customer. Mm-hmm. And and so walk through for me how you come about come up with doing this. Well, you know the the view that uh, we take on is that there are two basic components to pricing. One is your pricing activities. You know, so that talks to the strategy. What do we want to achieve with mm-hmm. our prices? And the next component of these pricing activities the implementation of that strategy. Uh-huh. So how do we set the prices that will match, you know, uh, and implement, help implement our pricing strategy? The other component then is, okay, you've got your list prices, you've got the structures, you've got the levels, that kind of thing. Then, okay, so you're going out in the field. And so then you're quoting a price. You know, how, you know, like, what are the prices that we're offering? And again, what we're doing, as I said before, is to balance the individual quote with the corporate objectives. The next step, of course, is to negotiate those prices. Mm-hmm. And this is where it's important, and we were alluding to this before in our conversation, is to make sure that the sales organization has a, an understanding of what the flexibility is, what they can do. So what we do is we call those things price guardrails. So there's an upper limit and then there's a lower limit. And if you're trying to go below that, uh, you know, limit of price, you got to have a process that allows you within the organization to talk to other people and to get some decision makers that provide these exceptions. Indeed. And what I've seen is a lot of this is sales cultural. Yes. In some sales cultures, discounting is part of the strategy and others, fo- uh, staying focused on value is right. part of the strategy. And also, I think a big part of it has to do with uh, how the salespeople are compensated. Oh, totally. Absolutely. You want a system that rewards the behaviors that will be consistent with what your corporate goals are. And that's a huge issue. Frequently, mm-hmm. you know, and organizations classically will just reward them on, you know, sales volumes, so on and so forth. Um, and not really have incremental uh, incentives for these people to achieve these profitability goals or market share penetration goals or whatever. They're not explicitly tied in to the goals that we have as an organization. That's a critical point. And it, it screws up all the pricing strategy. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what you get is exactly what I was talking about before, where you have this scatter plot that is almost random in terms of the price that people get at the end of the day. Indeed. Because you're not you're not incentivizing, you're not, you know, guiding the behavior of your sales people to be consistent with what your objectives are. Frequently, people don't in companies, companies don't even have a clue as to what's going on, except for a generalized sense that something is really wrong. We're giving away too many things. 
Mm-hmm. So that's the negotiating aspect. Um, and the other one is to ensure that you've got that price discipline that we were talking about before. So, you know, you got to collect the results, what's happened. Uh, again, getting back to my scatter plot as a simple example. And you look, okay, why are these people doing these things? What are the implications? How then do we change the behaviors? And we feed that back into the development of the strategy and the setting of prices. So it's like a cyclical um, uh, piece. So we spoke about pricing activities, which is, you know, the, you know here's, here's what you do in pricing. But then the other big aspect to that component of pricing is the infrastructure and the support behind, you know, carrying out those pricing activities. So, you know, there's some, you know, four basic elements that we look at are the policies and processes. You know, what are the guidelines for making the pricing decisions? Big issue now is data management and IT. Um, So much has changed in terms of the technology that that is becoming more and more central to organizations when they do the pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the other two elements are organizational structure, which is classic for, you know, all activities that you carry out in companies. And the other one are, you know, we've alluded to this, what are the people and the skills that you've got? Uh, what are the capabilities as you're changing, um, you know, and evolving with the marketplace? Do your people have the capabilities to do what, you're do- what you want them to do? What do you have to do? Do you have to train them? Do you have to find new people? What are the elements that you need to carry out to support those pricing activities? So that's it. Again, pricing activities and infrastructure and support. We'll be back with more after this. The world is moving fast. It's difficult to keep up. Your executive team needs new ideas to keep them ahead of the competition. Download and share the internal consulting group's monthly executive magazine, The Insights Review. Every issue includes thought leadership and ideas that you can leverage to solve issues and harvest opportunities facing you. Get your complimentary copy from internalconsulting.com slash publications. A big part of this is is about business rules. Yes. And not you know, strategic business rules, tactical business rules. Right. And then as we've also dialed in here, there's this cultural aspect to yep. it. Oh, it's huge. And, and today we're going through a lot of, for, uh, a lot of forces are coming at us to reduce prices everywhere we can, thanks yep. to things such as Moore's Law and technology, where yep. technology gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper for a given capability. Right. Um, and then the other aspect of that is just the maturity of companies coming at uh, this pricing strategy. Mm-hmm. And I know you've done a lot of work around identifying where a company is as far as their maturity and understanding how to price. Right. Right. Share with our listeners some insights around uh, your experience in uh, company maturity and integrating all these elements. Right. So what we do is we look at what a company does and we um, break that down into these different components that I spoke about and break it down further. And we try to understand, you know, what is the performance level that companies have relative to each of these? So, you know, you go at the low end and we don't do this at all to the high end, you know, like we're kind of world class. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not the only ones there. There have been a lot of studies that have been carried out along these lines. And what all the researchers and what we have found is that most companies are, you know, at the very bottom 
level. And we would say that they have ineffective pricing processes Mm. um, where pricing is ad hoc. There's no specific pricing strategy and pricing is based, you know, on previous prices. That's one of the curses of pricing. It's like legacy pricing. People are afraid to move away from the prices that have been charged in the past. And it's like, Oh no, we're afraid. We're really afraid to increase prices. Yeah. And again, that, you know, that, that one fellow that we all know, Warren Buffett, I think, has captured that quite well. And he said, if you have to hold the prayer session before raising your prices by 10%, then you've got a terrible business. <laughs> that would be a terrible business. I, yeah. a, lot of people, a lot of people at that level also work at cost plus. Absolutely. Which means that they are at the mercy of their suppliers. Totally. Totally. And do you think that Apple does cost plus? I don't Not think only so. no, hell no. No. Do you ever do you ever see Apple products on sale? No, you don't. Never. No. Do you ever see Samsung products on sale? Absolutely. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Completely different pricing and 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 go to market strategies. So what percentage of of customers do you see or companies do you see that are at that ineffective pricing level? It's around a quarter of companies wow. that are at that lower level. And I think that that's being generous. There have been some other estimates from other researchers that have seen it as low as 15%. Mm. Yeah, and that again, we are talking about the dark ages here. Um, yeah, well, that a lot of companies have, despite all the talk that we have about digitization, about you know all these things that are happening, a lot of companies are still at that very baseline. You know, it's either cost plus or gut. It, well, these are the companies that get get disrupted. Half the Fortune 500 rolls over every yeah, 10 years. That's right. It's a, it's expected right now that 75% of the standard Poor's 500 will not make it past 2027. Mm-hmm. And this is certainly one of the key reasons, is they're pricing themselves out of business. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and, and you're seeing new competitors coming in all the time that are offering alternative ways of providing these products and services. Indeed, disruption. And so their cost system, yeah, is not the same as these classic competitors. So if you're doing cost plus, then you're, you know, again, pricing yourself out of the market uh, and you're not responding to changes that are occurring occurring in the marketplace. So, Alan, we've got about a quarter of our listeners that are going, oh, my gosh, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> What's the next level up in this maturity of, of pricing? Well, the next one that we see is, you know, it's customer and competitor reactive pricing. Mm. Um, and we spoke about this before, and it's pricing that's based on the need to win oh, the yeah. deal. Uh, and uh, all those deals are special and unique. No, they're not. <laughs> and so what you're seeing are these broad margin variances that I spoke about. And we're seeing that, you know, 20% of the companies are at that hmm. level. So between level number one and level number two, we're talking about 50% of companies that are at the very lower levels in terms of pricing. And at total risk of being disrupted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dangerous. Again, if it's competitive reactive pricing, we just spoke about that. You're, you know, you're getting a new group of competitors. You can't they're going to eat your lunch. That's right. Unless you really know strategically what you want to achieve with your pricing. All right. So half of our listeners now are going, "All right, Ali, help me out. How do I improve my my uh my my growing up a little bit here with my pricing strategy? How can I improve my maturity?" Right. What's next? What's the next one? Right. 
Oh, the next one is, you know, you've got pricing and controls where uh, um, controls are in place where you've got robust systems and processes that are in place to minimize unjustified deviations from list prices. And again, this is where technology can come in. And, you know, doing something like that is not that sophisticated technologically, but it's using simple tools that we have in technology, even if it's looking at Excel spreadsheets and really understanding how, you know, what you're going to measure and how you're going to use even those little Excel spreadsheets to create dashboards to understand what's happening. Why are we doing this? Why are things deviating so much from list prices? I might have, you know, salesperson A who's constantly discounting drastically compared to salesperson C who's actually maintaining these prices, you know, fairly well and not discounting too much. So you can do an analysis and look at what's going on within your organization. Again, it doesn't have to be that complicated. And here, what you might have at this level, again, is you know unsophisticated methods to set your list prices. But at least we have some controls in place. So this is a sort of the, the, the initial stage of maturity where we're starting to yeah. gain some some control here. Absolutely. You've begun to understand what is going on and to, you know, as you say, establish some controls over what's going on. Then, mm -hmm. then and, you know, that's about 20%. Uh, so we're now up to about 70% of companies that are in those first three levels. Now, mind you, there are, there's a total of seven levels. So we're just mm -hmm. talking 70% of companies that are at the lower three. So the next few levels are rarefied air, and if you can do these things, you're going to create extraordinary business advantage. Absolutely. Yeah, so you're talking about the next one is strategically and analytically driven pricing. And with all the data that's coming in now, you can understand, you can develop some algorithms that will help you forecast how your customers are going to respond to your prices. And it's called price Indeed. elasticity. <laughs> you start to do that. Right. Well, we can use the 80-20 rule where 20% of our customers are, are willing to pay more. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think there was a Bourdain once said that, um, you know, when they were, when he was selling cocaine, uh, they were having a great market for the cocaine because he was charging a lot. And then when he went into the food business, <laughs> they were really, really uh, floundering, no pun intended. Um, but uh, <laughs> they he used the cocaine model and he they raised their prices, and as soon as they raised their prices, business flourished. And so, you know, people were prepared to pay for this because Indeed. there's a natural yes. assumption. If you're paying more, you got more value. That's exactly right. Cialdini in his book, Influence the Psychology of Persuasion, right. quotes a number of extraordinary studies about increasing the price, increase the, the sales velocity. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. that's that strategic and analytically driven pricing. Oh, for sure. And about what percentage of the folks do you work with are about that level? About 10%. Uh-huh. It is rarefied so, air indeed. Yeah, we're getting fairly small, um, 10 15%. And then you're looking at, you know, value-based uh, pricing, which is the next level. It mm -hmm. reflects, you know, segmented willingness to pay based on the benefits provided. And that's one of the big issues. A lot of companies really don't have segmentation models. Is this the idea of good, better, best? Yeah, kind of. But you know, what you're looking at is to look at the characteristics of your customers that will mm -hmm. be correlated to the way that they respond 
to price. So this is Timex versus Rolex. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's exactly All right. a good they both tell Good the way time. of putting it. But you know, something <laughs> like this is a little bit trickier to apply. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, fewer companies apply this because value, um, especially in a consumer market, uh, is something that is difficult to really pinpoint. Um, and there are a number of elements that go into value. It's a moving target. Classic example. I don't know if you remember this. Years ago, Volkswagen. Uh, decided to introduce the Volkswagen Fighten. Do you remember that? I don't remember the Fighten. Those are fighting words. Bring it on. Tell me yeah, the story. Yeah, are fighting words, and they got <laughs> fighting down. Um, but what happened was that you know this the, the product was developed by a bunch of engineers at Volkswagen, who really thought that value came from engineering quality, mm. quality of the product. Blah 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 blah. Well, guess what? They were priced. Uh, relatively similarly to BMW 5 uh, mm. and the Mercedes E-Series. So, you know, we're talking about con- consumers, and they had a very different perception of what value was. Yeah, that's right. So when they looked at the fight and they said, no, I don't think so. It's not exactly the same. So they looked at brand value. They looked at, you know, the name of the company. And they looked also in terms of the overall product portfolio that BMW and Mercedes had relative to Volkswagen. The fighting was like way out of where, you know, the area of the general Volkswagen vehicles were. Mm -hmm. So that was so totally inconsistent with the the market positioning of Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? None of those guys are around anymore. CEO got, you know, turfed in no time. His whole team got turfed. Now, you know, there's another team that came in, and you know we're we're talking about emissions, but and diesels, but that's another question. That's right. But in this particular case, that was that that is what happened. That's a great example of where the leadership did not understand a pricing or positioning strategy. Exactly, they had different. You have you have to be very careful as to what are the attributes that go in to defining value. Now, in a sense, it's easier in B2B because you can say, okay, here are the benefits, cost reduction, revenue increases, blah, 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 blah. But even in that case, you got to be careful because, you know, given the example that I mentioned before, you had, you know, uh, the um, research hospitals like the Mayo Clinic, um, Cleveland Clinic, those kinds of things, uh, compared to reference labs. And reference labs, you know, it was like, Lower the cost, blah, 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 blah. For the Mayo Clinic in Cleveland, it's like using this equipment, you know, to develop more sophisticated and more precise results. Mm-hmm. So they 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 ascribed a different um, weighting to these different elements of value. Well, in these particular so cases, even in B2B, yeah, their, cust- yeah their customers have completely different expectations. And, Absolutely. you know, for example, with the fighting example that you just gave, People have a, a customer experience expectation from Mercedes yes. and BMW that the Volkswagen dealership just can't deliver. Exactly. Exactly. And people are going like, uh, you know, an $80,000 Volkswagen compared to the average of $30,000. Yeah. You know, it's like completely different from the rest of the portfolio. Indeed. So if you're going to make a big change in the pricing and offer a new element to your portfolio, you've got to be... Um, creating a different brand right on uh, to justify those prices and you see that with Toyota sure 
you know, with the what is their the Lexus. So they've they've got a different name. So they were able to change the pricing uh, levels of those particular products. And they have a compared to the regular Toyota. And they have a completely different dealership stream. So it's a different customer. Although if you pop open your Lexus hood, there's Toyota branded parts in there. You betcha. Absolutely. (laughs) So that's value. That's value driven pricing. What percentage of the uh, the folks you work with do you see operating about there? It's about 10%. All right. So now we're getting into the, you know, the upper ranges here, you know, like we've covered, there's about 90, 94% of companies that are at that level or below. Interesting. And then if you're talking about the two upper levels, um, the, the, you know, the second highest level in terms of maturity is where you've got optimized uh, pricing. Uh, you've got rules-based uh, pricing. You've got a pricing team that's there. So is this like working with senior level? Is this yeah. like what airlines do? Yeah. When they're trying to maximize uh, volume control and seat pricing. Absolutely. Where the, Absolutely. the seat prices from day to day changes from day to day. Yep. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because what they're doing when you say you know you got to be Optimized is kind of a loaded word here. Indeed. What do you mean by optimized? In terms of the airlines, you know, it's the load factors that are really significant for them. So that is how their optimization models work. But you might want to say, okay, if I'm introducing a new product into the marketplace, again, as this medical devices company did, you want to say, you might want to say, well, you know, uh, we really want to get um, market uh, penetration Mm -hmm. and that's optimization Mm -hmm. so you know uh, when you're looking at optimization again you really have to have um the responses fairly clear uh to be able to say okay if i price at this point what will be the market's response will i get market share will i you know increase the probability of win so on and so forth so that you know is based on some fairly sophisticated uh, analyses, data analyses, so that you can forecast what the market response is going to be, and you can optimize your price based on what you want to achieve. Hmm. And so that you know that takes a fairly uh, sophisticated uh, uh, process, set of processes and analytics that are in place. Indeed. Uh, and again, it's tied very closely to achieving corporate goals by market, by segment, by product, and so on and so forth. And that's 5%, hmm. uh, you know, of uh, our, our base of uh, clients that are there. So now we're up at the upper 1% mm-hmm. after this point. And that's where you've got pricing excellence. You've got optimized price setting and you've got optimized price getting. Um, so you've got, you know, there's a culture that's dedicated to pricing. You've got sophisticated tools. You've got continuous improvement. Uh, and, you know, what you're doing is you're uh, really bringing together all the elements uh, that I spoke about earlier. And what you do is you really look at this case as pricing being a process, mm-hmm. not just a one-term shot. It just is ongoing and it involves all the elements of the corporation. Just give me an example of a company that does this, operates at this level. I would say that Apple. Yeah, um, they pop into mind immediately. Absolutely. They're very definitely at the top of the game. 
Um, Microsoft, to a lesser extent, um, Google, in terms of the new products that they're offering, mm-hmm. they certainly have a strong sense. You know, they're the big companies that use a lot of analytics. Amazon is another one that comes to mind. Sure, Those are the companies really where, you know, you're seeing all things, uh, all cylinders firing at the same time. Indeed. Involving all these processes. Now, you know, you could say, well, yeah, they got a lot of data. True. They have a lot of data. And they do something with it. <laughs> they do. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's that's really key. Not all companies have that, though. And so the companies that don't necessarily have that amount of data, what they really do to be at this level is that they really have a culture that's dedicated to pricing. They know what they want. All people understand what they have to do about pricing. And, you know, you've got this attitude of a continuous improvement that goes on. So we have listeners here now that are are trying to identify where they are in this stack. Yeah. And I think that probably most of our listeners are somewhere in the first four, maybe up to the value-driven pricing. Yep. And and what that indicates is, listener, you probably need to have a conversation with L.A. Yeah. And the reason why is because anything he charges you is going to be made up in better pricing. Absolutely. Oh, the returns on pricing uh, projects are very significant, typically 10 to 1. But if you look at, you know, again, a lot of research that's been done by companies such as McKinsey, Deloitte, BCG, CompuStat, so on and so forth, they all find um, comparable results. And that is that pricing is the most significant uh, uh, lever that you've got in improving margins. And the research that's been done indicates that if you have a 1% improvement uh, in pricing, uh, it gives you an 11% improvement in your operating profit, as opposed to many of the other fixed, yeah. Of course, that makes complete sense because if you can increase price and everything else remains the same, it drops straight down to your bottom line. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's And that's how this number comes about. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, they've done uh, you know, Fortune 1000 uh, uh, companies and they've, they've done that calculation and it does translate into approximately an 11% uh, uh, in, impact on your bottom line as opposed to you know if you're uh reducing your fixed costs by let's say one percent that only goes to a 2.3 percent improvement yeah uh in your bottom line not a lot it's not a lot the 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 ability to raise prices and make them stick is the hallmark of a company who's going to be in business be profitable and generate more revenue for their shareholders without oh, absolutely absolutely so, and you know you were mentioning how people can try to get an understanding of where they are along these maturity levels what we do is we have icg's got a uh, a quick pricing assessment that's online uh and uh it uh, it it takes you through the different components uh that i mentioned briefly during this conversation uh, and it asks you to evaluate how you sit on a scale of one to seven. And also what it does is it asks you your perceptions in terms of how important each one of these elements are to you. And that's what makes it really interesting because, you know, you can say, well, eh, uh, you know, I rate a seven on a particular element. 
but it's not that important to me. Like, okay, so who cares? You know, honestly. So what this tool does is it combines all of those elements and it takes you through uh, 28 uh, attributes or, you know, components of your pricing processes. It takes you through that and then it gives you an evaluation of where you lie on the maturity uh, spectrum. And it will give you a you know, like a radar chart as to how you perform along the different dimensions or eight dimensions, how you perform relative to the average companies in our database and how you perform relative to the top 10%. So how does somebody get a hold of that? I can I can yep. hear our uh, listener yep. pulling over to take notes right now. Yes. <laughs> well, what they do, uh, what they can do, they should do is write to me, uh, email me, and uh, the address is alain, A-L-A-I-N dot Malosh, and that's spelled M-E-L-O-C-H-E at internalconsulting.com. They send me a, a request, and I'll send them the link. They can take uh, the survey. They get the result. There's like a dashboard that they obtain. And what I'll do is I'll spend 30 minutes uh, talking with them about the results. And, you know, this is just offered uh, uh, at no charge. Um, just that's, because that's extremely generous of you to offer your time into this report. So, listener, my suggestion is make sure you do this. If you're responsible for profit and loss – if you're responsible for the shareholder value of your organization, take up on this extraordinary offer. This has been a fantastic conversation. Lots of interesting insights from beginning to yeah. end. It's been great, uh, you have, Mark. Thank you. And, and for me as well. Do you have any final thoughts for our listener before we sign off? Um, yeah, well, you know, when we discuss things all uh, uh, on a one-to-one -one basis, I can talk about, you know, the 10 steps to get to world-class pricing. We don't have the time right now, but um, you'll see, you know, it, it integrates what's going on in the world today with what you have to do uh, to take advantage of, you know, the uh, levers like technology that you've got and how you can create that culture uh, to provide pricing excellence. Well, so we can talk about that when they phone me up. Well, step one is always figure out where the hell you are. Yeah, you got, you got, you know, if you, you, you got it, you know, the first step in a journey, you know, it, it, it what is it? The beginning of a journey always involves the first step. And that's what this is. Well, indeed, that's what the, the old, uh, I think, uh, Confucian saying is that a journey of a thousand miles starts with a step. And actually, Thank that's you. wrong. That's actually, the, the, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a direction. Yes. And you want to know where you're going. Uh, we gotta you want to have... A destination. A, that's exactly right. And the yep. destination is improved profitability, more stable prices. Yes. And that starts with uh, sending you an email and then having that yep. conversation. Absolutely. So thanks so much for being a part of the program. A real delight to have you on the show. It's great to talk to you. That wraps up this episode. Go to internalconsulting.com slash global hyphen thought hyphen leaders to contact today's guest. If you like the show, share it with your executive team and review us on iTunes. This is Global Thought Leader Insights. Brilliant thinking implemented. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.